This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. The world is the exception. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and ends a saint. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. Hello and welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the girls who almost always turn out to be the secret weapons and the coolest characters. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. We are so excited. This is our first episode, so bear with us, but we are going to have so much fun. We are kicking off the show with season one, episode one, which actually has a title, and that title inspired our first section. The title of this episode is The Name of the Game. Yeah, so in this section, we're going to give a little bit of background on, well, since it's the first episode of the show, and then <laughs> right. uh, moving forward, we'll give a, just a tiny bit of background on cast and crew and any fun cameos or people that pop up in the episodes as we go through them. Uh, yeah. So in case you find yourself listening to this and you're like, what is The Boys? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> so The Boys is an American superhero television series developed by Eric Kripke for none other than Amazon Prime Video. It nice. happens to be based on a comic book of the same name, who is, which was created by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. And in that series, it follows a team of vigilantes as they combat super-powered individuals who abuse their abilities. <laughs> hmm, interesting. And yeah. uh, <laughs> so in this episode... Uh, the name of the game it is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, which is pretty cool because Dan Trachtenberg, even though this first episode came out in what, 2019, we are recently familiar with him because uh, he directed Prey, one of the which best is so movies. awesome. Yes, so good. And, you know, it's I feel like there's a lot of kind of crossover with themes of like empowerment and like the weak being strong and the strong being weak that we're probably going to talk about. And, Maybe we might cover Prey at some point down the road. Yeah. He also directed uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which... <gasps> That's right. I do like yeah. that show. So yeah. it's it's kind of funny looking back at that and just kind of seeing some of the threads and kind of common themes in between these episodes and these films that he's done. So kind of a perfect mm -hmm. choice. I know. Yeah. I'm really excited. Um, and I also want to say for the record, too, for now, we are talking about the show, we are not talking about the comic book series or any of the or the spinoff cartoon. We may get to those at some point. But for right now, we are just going to dissect. We're going to bite off a little bit at a time. And we are going to just be talking about the show right now. I also want to shout out Eric Kripke because I am a big Supernatural fan. <laughs> I resisted it for many, many years. Did you ever watch Supernatural, Rachel? I have seen you know there's a lot of there's a lot of supernatural oh my god there's 15 seasons <laughs> yep i have it. it's just like so overwhelming i haven't made the commitment to like going through mm -hmm. them all but you know i mean those boys how can i how can i say no <laughs> no yeah they're they're both dreamy and funny and eric kripke was the showrunner for the first five seasons which i think are generally considered the best of of all 15 seasons although my favorite episode is in season 10 but i have <laughs> written and talked about that a lot so you know if you're curious about my supernatural thoughts just google my name and supernatural and you'll find a wealth of words <laughs> but um it will be interesting like that's going to come into play in some later episodes so i'm excited to talk about it too 
Um, all right. So our next category we are going to call Sup with the Soups. And this is where we're going to recap what's been happening. But since this is our first episode, um, well, nothing has happened yet. So we're kind of just going to lay the groundwork and introduce what's been going on. Um, Who are these people? Who are the boys? And Mm -hmm. what the hell is going on in this wacky world? So and I I really love the way that we are introduced to these characters because there are two really exciting incidents that happen at the beginning. We have Queen Maeve and we have uh, Homelander who are two superheroes save a couple of tween boys from like an armored truck heist and Queen Maeve I just love her um she just jumps in front of the bus and smashes it and it's so cool and so we've got these two superheroes that by all appearances are like the Marvel superheroes that we're used to seeing or the DC superheroes. Um, They're awesome. They've got really cool powers and they are pretty much unstoppable. And then that is directly contrasted with an incident where Huey, who we're going to meet in a minute, um, is walking with his friend Robin. I'm sorry, is walking with his girlfriend Robin and A-Train, another one of the soups, just blows right through her he is Brutal. the world's fastest man it, it she just like explodes into a cloud of blood and so i think this is just the perfect way of introducing the concept of this show you know because we're really contrasting like the the appearance of these superheroes and then the reality of what they are oh totally you immediately get it sets the tone and you mm-hmm. there's just like all these little subtle ways that they are letting you know just I mean, some subtle, some not. Robin's death, You're not right. subtle. But <laughs> right. like, what I loved about the opening scene with Maeve, number one, you know, we see the first hero that we see is like a woman. So, of course, immediately mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, awesome, amazing. Same. You see their powers in full display. The effects are really uh-huh. great in that opening mm-hmm. scene. So you really Doesn't get even to mess up her barrel curls. You know, I know she still just looks amazing <laughs> just standing there with this whole tr- like car just collapsing around her. But mm-hmm. then you also get to see Homelander and in the news coverage that immediately follows, um, you know, Maeve's not included in that coverage. She's in the background. It's Homelander front and center. You know, Homelander saves the day, but it was actually Maeve who kind of saved them first, but weird that she didn't happen to get any of the acclaim. So right there, you're kind of seeing what this show is getting at and just kind of letting you know that, you know, there's a some some cleverness happening behind the scenes in the writer's room. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I didn't even notice that. Um, and I think... Like, that's just so, so what we're used to seeing, you know, yeah. like, how many movies did we have before Wonder Woman? How many movies did we have before Black Widow got her own movie? You know, we're so used to seeing the men or the male superheroes, like, being front and center. They're the strong ones. And then the women are, like, they may pose as a secretary or they're, like, the reporter, like, long lost love, but they're never, like, the strong ones. So I do love that the first person we see save the day is Maeve. But you're right. She doesn't get the credit. Like the little boys, they don't care about her. I know. They, they don't are even like want Homelander. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. They want a selfie with Homelander. Now, I will say for the record, and this is the only time I'm going to say it. Well, that's probably not true. But Homelander <laughs> is pretty dreamy. So I would want a selfie with him too. <laughs> hey, Took yeah. me a while to get on board with him. But I am I am a fan um, of the actor, not the character. <laughs> 
<laughs> just for the record. Although you never know from from this moment, we don't. I mean, he's he looks like Superman, but he's like inspired by Superman. He is the oh yeah, he's like the, like the comp, like the stand-in, the, the doppelganger, yeah. maybe. <laughs> like. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, but yeah, so he seems to be like he saved the day. Um, and then we learn about Vought, and Vought is I would compare them to Marvel, but maybe if Marvel. And Amazon like had a baby and yeah. Marvel, Amazon and like Comcast because Comcast is the evilest company I can imagine. Yeah. Um, had, like they had a baby, like this just massive corporation that is trying to get their fingers in everything, runs everything and they have the rights to all of these superheroes. Yeah, it's definitely like a slightly more nefarious counterpart to like Stark Industries or, you know, so that there are, Mm -hmm. this is seen in kind of like traditional superhero lore, but it's so funny to see this company because they're just so much more blunt (laughs) and like open (laughs) about their, their motivations and what's driving them and the business of superheroes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't, we're going to meet her a little bit later. So we'll probably talk about her later. But she is, uh, Vought is run by a woman. So we have another strong female character here. Um, Madeline, Madeline Stillwell is, she is one of the lead executives at Vought. She's kind of the spokesperson. And we see her giving a shareholder meeting in which she introduces the seven, which is like the lead team of superheroes. They would be like the Avengers, which uh, let me just say right now, I am not the biggest superhero scholar. So, Rachel, I'm hoping you're going to catch some stuff. I was going to say, I I am by no means a scholar, but it's like, (laughs) I just think that speaks to like how (laughs) prevalent these films are. It's like, oh, my God, I've seen every single one of these movies like every single (laughs) marvel movie every single dc movie have i sought Uh any of them out no they just i happened you know whether it's going with my family or my husband or they're just all i don't know i just i've seen i don't know i've seen them all pervasive they just like seep into your brain and they just are there and you can't avoid them. And that's just the culture mm-hmm. that we live in now. So it'll be fun to like go through all these and really just kind of try to find those similarities and what the show is playing off of uh, from mm-hmm. a, a uh, so from people who are aware of them, but not experts by any means. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like you don't have to be an expert to see a lot of these connections. Oh, you know? Totally. So far, Um, that's like, like, that's what I think is so cool in the show. It's like, you don't have to be somebody who's like super versed in comic book history and lore to appreciate what this show is doing and to mm -hmm. understand what it's playing off of. Right. I think of like The Simpsons as like the gold standard of like different levels of entertainment, you know, because you could watch that show and have no clue and just laugh at the stupid stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. Or there's especially in the early seasons, there's so much deep like commentary going on and I think like this show is such a sharp satire that like it's almost like you don't you can't catch everything on yeah. the at least on the first watch because there's just so much they're just they're really going for it and I absolutely love it yeah um I will say the way that I escaped the superhero stuff is by having babies at the beginning <laughs> of the the first wave of Marvel and I told you off air I think like I came I came out of my baby haze and there were like seven movies and I was like, I can't catch up on this. No, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's too just, much. It's like, all right, I guess yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it feels like a, a tidal wave sometimes, you know? Um, but 
we have this fantastic show that I think th this is how I feel like I'm entering into the superhero genre, you know, um, maybe through the back door. Um, so we have the seven and our seven soups are Homelander, Queen Maeve, who we've already talked about, The Deep, who we're going to talk about later, um, Black Noir, A-Train, Translucent, and the newest soup, Starlight, who is replacing Lamplighter, who just retired. Um, and so those are our cast of seven. And then we've got the boys. And we don't really know too much about the boys just yet, except that it's the title of the show. Um, mm -hmm. But we meet the boys through Butcher, who is... Do you want to talk about Butcher? Yeah. So Butcher, played by Carl Urban, comes in and kind of infiltrates via Huey. And... Mm -hmm. He is, at least at this point, what we know about it. I mean, he poses as an FBI agent, and he's basically <laughs> trying to undermine the the soups and just, according to what he's telling Huey anyways, bring to light the sort of the darker, less public, ex, you know, publicly accepted side of the soups and what this, you know, giant corporation really is and so he's mm -hmm. using what we you know huey's pain <laughs> and vulnerability to help him achieve that and he's i mean he's super i, I, I don't know he's super hot and like yeah. <laughs> comes in with that accent and that swagger and yeah i can see why huey would want to help him out and be drawn in with that so that's sort mm -hmm. of how we get introduced to the butcher but i don't think the boys is even like mentioned yet no i yeah. don't think we have we have that has not been established and yeah i mean we could argue about when or we could discuss like when that becomes a thing but it's it's very informal which i yeah. think is like the polar opposite of the seven which is a branded thing like we see a train branded beer which I, I love the sequence where huey's walking through the convenience store and he's just triggered by all of this because then you really realize like how pervasive all of this is like it's everywhere you know yeah um, and also just the way he's presented like he's just you know the the seven and these superheroes are so polished and clean uh -huh. and they've got these you, you know these costumes or uniforms or whatever and then you know butcher man walks in just like looking <laughs> like he rolled off the couch and right. is just a little slightly disheveled and I love him all the more for it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Huey I I believe Huey calls it like the porn version of the Matrix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Might be a fun, um, fun little thing for us to do to find like our favorite Huey lines because he he's going to have quite a few really fun one liners yep. that I'm excited <laughs> about. Or maybe our favorite line of the episode and not always from Huey. Sometimes I mean, the, the writing on the show is just so funny and dark and awesome that I'm really excited to unpack it. Um, so, yeah, that's our cast of characters. We're going to talk about Huey in a little bit, or at least I am. Spoiler. Um, but we're he is the name of our next section, which is Huey Cutie and the News. He's so cute. Your feelings for Butcher are my feelings for Huey. Like, he is my dream character on the show, and I would date him in a heartbeat. Um, that might just be because I was super into uh, Dennis Quaid when I was little. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. 
Um, Jaws three, I think that's what did it for me. <laughs> it's like it was on USA all the time, and I was like, I have a crush on you. Um, all right, so Huey Cutie and the news. I feel like I want to sing and then like hack Jared Leto up with an axe. Um, this is where we're going to talk about updates as far as production or other news. If there is any, there's not always going to be something, but we wanted to just kind of check in. So I follow all these people on Instagram. They're really fun follows. Um especially Jack Quaid, because I have a crush on him. Um, but so I know just from seeing all of them posting stuff that filming for season four is currently underway right now, but we don't have a release date yet. I believe yeah. we'll at least have an announcement sometime this year, but I don't think we've heard anything yet. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll be dropping little nuggets as they go along, and mm -hmm. uh, which will be really exciting because, yeah, the only thing I've seen... I feel like you're going to like this. So they've revealed <laughs> two new characters and Ooh. costumes, one of which um, the character's name is Firecracker. Oh, who will be I played, like that. Yeah, played by Valerie Curry. And so there's a lot of speculation like, oh, is she going to have like fire powers? Like, is she going to be <gasps> like a Charlie McGee kind is of thing? Is she Firestarter? <laughs> <Yay>. Yeah. <laughs> so TBD there, but her costume is pretty cool. And then uh, Sister Sage, who's going to be played by Susan Hayward. So those images mm -hmm. are out there. They're official images, not, you know, there's a lot of rumors. So I don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to get into some of those. But yeah. these are confirmed, um, officially released things. And I'm excited to see what, you know, what they bring to the table. Me too. As I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but if you have seen all the way through to the end of season three, some shit has gone down. And um, so some fresh blood is probably going to be around the corner. So I am super excited. And, you know, two strong female characters again, mm -hmm. which I'm really excited about. Um, all right. So that is so that's going to lead us into our next category, which is called Bad Boys. So this is where we're going to talk about the villains of this episode or the I, I feel like every time I say heroes and villains, I say, say it in quotation marks, you know, because what I love about the show is that it's not really cut and dry, you know. That's such a and, huge strength of this show. It's just like how it mm -hmm. blurs the lines between good and evil. And like one person can do something evil, but that doesn't make them an evil character, you know, and vice versa. You could do something good, but that doesn't necessarily like you know make up for all the horrible things that you've done so it's such an interesting way to present these things in a genre that's typically so black and white like these ideas are usually just so set in stone and yeah they can be toyed with a little but here it's that just intentional blurriness that adds so much weight to what it's actually saying and adds just a level of realism honestly because mm -hmm. that's the show is all about reflecting you know it's funny it's like reflecting this mythological sort of creation in a realistic way like how it would actually mm -hmm. function in the real world and that's I feel like a hard road to navigate and this is just one of the ways that they do that is with these characters and how they're presented yeah especially for a show that is so fantastical in a lot of ways too like it really does feel like this is actually what these characters would be like if we knew them, you know? Um, and so I think our first villain that we meet is probably A-Train, I would say. Um, 
who runs through Robin. He now, I mean, he does look apologetic when he For runs like through Robin. Half a second, <laughs> like I, I know go. he's like, oh, oh, I can't stop. Um, and it's just, it's so shocking. Like he runs he's running so fast that she just explodes and then Huey is look poor Huey is looking down and her hands are just right there and just, that's, that's when I fall in love with him amazing um, like and it's just it's one of those things that like you know it's like movie magic right like you, these characters these things happen in movies all the time and you're like but what about this what about this and so this is one of those things that yeah this might actually happen because he would be going so fast like how could he possibly avoid like you know i guess like with the flash like the character of the flash like you know there's some sort of like slowing down where he can kind of mm-hmm. they can kind of navigate around that but like apparently a train does not have that ability and so i don't know yeah. i would kind of surprised it doesn't happen more often <laughs> exactly well and i mean i think you know not to spoil but that is a big theme of the show is just the collateral damage of all of this, you know. And and so maybe now is a good time to say this. I have seen this show all the way through at least twice. And because I finally convinced Corey to watch it with me. And every time something awesome would happen, I would look at him and be like, hey, remember when I told you to watch this show with me a year ago and you didn't? Um, he got real. He, he laughed every single time. Um, but Rachel, you have not really watched any of these episodes, right? I I haven't. So I'm coming th- at this from you know with fresh eyes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've seen a few episodes, but out of context. My husband really liked it and like just blew through them, and mm-hmm. so didn't even ha- you know just could <laughs> like could a train not. through Robin. yes blew I'm through them like a train. <laughs> it was just like sorry, I couldn't stop myself. I gotta go. I gotta keep going. And then, I mean, it's yeah. justified. They're good. <laughs> Totally. So I've seen a few of them, but um, I will be mostly coming at this completely fresh. And I'm so excited about that. (laughs) So and I wanted to ask, too, because A-Train is, I think, a really fascinating character. Um, What are your kind of initial impressions of him based on just this episode? Yeah. So, I mean, TBD, obviously he did this horrible thing, but he did stop for a second. Yeah. But then, you know, not much later, we learned that, like, there was no bank robber. Like, what was he running to? What was he running from? So, like, his motivations Mm -hmm. there are a little mysterious. But then we also, you know, see him placed within this giant power structure. So it's like, what could he do? I don't I don't know. He doesn't appear to be very remorseful. We see him in that clip, like making a joke out of choking on her molar or what like disgusting mm-hmm. and also like not funny <laughs> that's like right, exactly. being, but whatever mm-hmm. so i i mean i don't like him yeah i mean he's not you know not bad to look at but <laughs> as far as <laughs> like yeah i haven't solidified him in like evil or good camp yet so Interesting. And that that is uh, Jesse T. Usher, who popped up in Smile this year. Um, He is the bad boyfriend in Smile, which was (laughs) which it's not a connection, but that's also starring Kevin Bacon's daughter. And Kevin Bacon and Randy Quaid were like big early, early USA channel crushes for me. So I kind of connect them in my mind. Well, speaking of people that we don't like, um, I think our other one of the other bad guys of this episode is The Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I and this is played by Chase Crawford, who he's directly a parallel to Aquaman, although he's not nearly as big 
Or Burley is Jason Momoa. He's played by Chase Crawford. And I, this is the first thing I'd ever seen Chase Crawford in because I did not watch oh, Gossip Girl. Did you watch like, Gossip Girl? Oh, I did. I'm familiar with Chase Crawford. <laughs> is it good? Should I watch it? <laughs> oh, if you just, yeah, I mean, it is just a guilty, delicious, <laughs> terrible pleasure. So yeah, go yes. back and watch Gossip Girl XOXO. Because <laughs> I'm super into you also. So I'm like, oh, that whole cast is smoking hot. Just, and he is part uh-huh. of that. Ooh, yeah. And if you follow him on Instagram, he posted a workout selfie recently. And it was, um, it was very, all right, I, I might have to buy it. Might have to do that. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to I'm going to control myself. But um, OK, so the deep is the ruler of the seven seas and he is one of the seven. According to him, he's second in command around here and he uses that position to on taking while taking Starlight on a tour of Vought Tower and the seven's official meeting room to assault her by essentially coercing her into how he calls it a little pole smoking. Um and she will later say he raped her face. It is, it's, we don't see anything. It's heavily implied. Mm-hmm. And he is really being very disgustingly coercive. Cause she, you know, she's, she's strong. She's a superhero. So she's like, fuck this. I don't want to do it. And then he's like, yeah, but do you want to be in the seven? And I'm going to get you kicked out if you don't suck my dick, which is, I remember when the show first premiered, this was the first thing I heard about it. And I put off watching it for a long time because I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to see that. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty it's such an intense way to. I mean, because we meet this character, we meet Starlight and she seems so genuinely excited for this moment and it's something that she's been working for her and her mom (laughs) has been working for their entire lives so to see it all just stripped away so quickly and just kind of have you know the shades just completely torn apart is just really just kind of devastating as an audience member and to her character like because she so quickly is endeared to us and to see her put in this position it's really uncomfortable and really sad and really tragic. And yeah, it's just immediately, okay, it's like, all right, so not going to like this character. <laughs> exactly. I know. Just totally disgusting right away. Yeah. And um, just taking advantage of her excitement and her innocence. And like, he wastes no time. That's, that's part mm-hmm. of it, I think, is that he knows that she's new and he knows that he only has like a certain amount of time that he can get away with something like this. And so mm-hmm. the fact that he knows that... <laughs> And makes it happen so quickly is just really skeezy, really gross. No good. Yeah. And <laughs> like, and I think I'm, he's the one in the bar with A-Train where they're joking about Robin. Is that right? Oh, is that? Maybe it is. I can't remember for sure. But, um, you know, like Starlight, she is one of the seven. Like she just has been announced. So like if mm-hmm. they kick her out, like that's a big deal. And she's like extremely powerful. She's already like famous. And so if he'll do that to her, yeah. then what is he doing to everybody else that works there? You know, this is just a piece of who he is. And it's just, it's just disgusting. And it also just, it's so interesting looking at this and it's it's hard not to look at every single thing that happens in this show and kind of like find mm-hmm. a counterpart of what's the, uh, like a real world counterpart and uh-huh. I mean 
we just had the movie there are a lot of them. yeah like <laughs> movie she said came out this year and it's mm-hmm. just like when you're looking at it through kind of like the me too movement and weinstein like with through that lens it's like because on paper it's like well she's a superhero she's one of the seven like she couldn't stop this mm-hmm. but at the same time it's you know that that doesn't necessarily make her impenetrable to this situation and what the deep was saying like there there was just that that odd power dynamic that imbalanced power dynamic that just because you're a superhero just because you're one of the seven doesn't make you impervious to that mm-hmm. and that's just such a powerful thing to just present in the very first episode <laughs> right like right off the bat yeah and i feel like it does like the scene gives a really compelling reason for why she wouldn't say anything and why she would do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just remember like a certain um, famous daughter who, or no, a certain famous son who said, oh, my sister would never let that happen to me. Like as if people are just letting themselves be taken advantage of. And I think right. we see like she sees it as she would be letting everyone down. She would be letting her mom down. She would be giving up her dream. And it's one thing to say, oh, just walk away. But like you're walking away from your entire life. It's like when people say, well, just move. Well, I'm going to give up my job. I'm going to give up my entire life. The thing I've been working day and night for. And I think it's really smart that they show us like her training. And then maybe this can transition us into our next category, which is good for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Partially inspired by Starlight, but this is, well, at least on my part, because I love her. Um, This is, we're going to talk about who we find empowering and who are we rooting for. And I am definitely rooting for Annie in this episode. I feel like if the episode had stopped with her in the bathroom, then Mm -hmm. it would, I, I don't know if I would find it empowering, but like she... I feel like we understand why she stays and she is trying to use the power that she has to change from within, which I think is an interesting theme that we're going to follow. But her decision right now is I'm not she's not going to report it, but she is not going to let him freak her out. She's not going to let him ruin her life for her, you know. Yeah, it's that decision to not let it destroy her and not let it take away from everything that she's worked so hard. Like, yes, this this horrible thing happened to her. That wasn't her fault. Yes, she made some decisions, but she's not going to let that define her. And mm-hmm. she's going to use that as fuel to, you know, literally fight <laughs> in more ways than mm-hmm. one. And yeah. that's not an easy decision to make. And so I, I appreciate them showing that that's not an easy decision for her to make, that she is struggling with which way and how she's going to handle this, that it's not just like, okay, it happened and now I'm going to use this and I'm going to fight back forever. Like she's conflicted about mm-hmm. what it's going to do to her and how she's planning on handle it. And, th- and that there's a conversation that she has with Huey on the bench. And that's such mm-hmm. a pivotal point for both of their characters mm-hmm. because that's where we're actually seeing them kind of confront these anxieties that they're having. And I always think about like, you know, on RuPaul's Drag Race, RuPaul always says like, it's the crunchy bits. Like it's, you know, Mm -hmm. showing them the vulnerabilities. Like that's what makes people love you. And and so it's like Mm -hmm. here we're seeing Starlight, the crunchy bits, where she's openly admitting that like, I, 
you know, not let this happen. That's not the right word. But like, I made the decision, I made this decision, and I reacted this way. And it hurts. And I hate myself for it. And most more than anything, like she's disappointed in herself. Mm -hmm. Like she's upset that she didn't fight back in that moment. And she has to make the decision to forgive herself. And that's like the hardest thing to do. It really is. And it's just heartbreaking to see her go through this, especially the moment where she tries to tell her mom and just just tell her what happened just so that somebody can give her some kind of support, you know, Mm because she's talking to Huey about this. And it's in such vague tones because, you know, I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, And so he's giving her this this advice and I wrote it down because I just love it and he says just because you fall on your ass doesn't mean you have to stay there and it's like yeah. this is this is not who you are you know your life doesn't have to be defined by the worst thing that's happened to you or it doesn't have to be defined by the people that are trying to break you and he doesn't quite understand I think what he's saying to her but I think he's telling her like you're you don't have to be a victim of this you know you can be a survivor you can be a a fighter because I mean she's now a sexual assault survivor and Mm -hmm. she is making the decision to use what power she has to try to move herself forward you know and I think it also is a really great um examination is not the right word but it shows like if she had quit like nothing would have changed you know he's not gonna lose his spot in the seven they're not gonna believe her you know they don't know who she is and so I think she is she's making a really calculated choice here and I think she feels conflicted about it but I love that little flash in her eyes at the very end where she's like I'm not going anywhere um which is why I love her Oh, yeah. And I think it's so like such a beautiful moment because Huey doesn't know who she is like at this point, Mm -hmm. like doesn't know that she's starlight. She's just somebody who's in distress. And yeah. And so is he. And so they're having this conversation. And through her, he also kind of makes a change, an internal decision and decides Mm -hmm. to deal with his own shit. And yeah, and it's what's we see earlier, you know, Starlight's talking how she just wants to help people and she just mm-hmm. wants to make a difference. And what's so beautiful is like in this moment of her just being herself, she's doing just that. Like mm-hmm. to Huey, like she is being a superhero, but she's doing it at this moment where I don't think she would ever think that she's doing superhero stuff. And yeah. so I just think that that's such an interesting way to present that and have her be making that difference, but in such an unassuming way. Right, right. And if we contrast this between like, because you can make the same argument for Huey too, you know, they're so Mm -hmm. like, the strength there is in their vulnerability and their willingness to like open up with each other. And if we like compare that to Queen Maeve and Homelander, like jumping in front of trucks and like saving the day, like we... You know, I don't I don't want to spoil things, but I mean, I think we learn that that's not always real, you know, and a lot of it is for show and Mm -hmm. um, that I feel like Huey, like they are helping each other by being like finding strength and and weakness in quotation marks you know yeah and just by being human (laughs) right that's the thing like like what she's doing right there like yes she is a how do they call it a super abled human Mm -hmm. but in that moment she's just being a human (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's another, like, something I love about the show is that it shows that just because you have, like, strong skin or strong muscles, that doesn't make you a strong person, you know? Exactly. And so speaking of um, someone who is not really presented as a strong character, although I've already told you how much I love him, um, I want to talk about Huey in this section, too, because I think he has quite an arc just in this one episode, you know? Yeah. Like the moment, I think my favorite moment of his, other than just like his his little wittiness and his like band t-shirts, I just I just love his character. But the moment where he is sitting across the table from the guy who wants him to sign away the rights to essentially like grieve or seek justice for her, his girlfriend's death, like he starts yelling at this guy and he's like, no, I just want an apology. Like you can't, like she was a human being. I have feelings. They matter. This matters. I'm not just going to sign it away for money. And then we realized that was all in his head. And Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't sign the form yet, but he doesn't have the courage to say what he's actually feeling, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. He is very, laid back I guess like we see this at his job he's very Mm -hmm. like non-confrontational like for whatever reason just has some difficulty standing up for himself and and just acknowledge like I don't know addressing some issues that are clearly holding him back in some way and I I you know I can relate to that I don't like picking a fight I don't like confrontation I will go out of my way to avoid it if I can but it Mm. seems like he is having trouble navigating the line between somebody just maybe doing something that bugs him to taking advantage of him and Mm. having it like hugely impact his life and there's a difference and he i mean this is his girlfriend's life like his girlfriend Mm -hmm. was literally obliterated in front of his eyes so like Mm -hmm. are you really just gonna let that happen and move on and just like i don't know how much like bigger of a wake-up call like he could have possibly had right yeah like right in front of his eyes too it's not like (laughs) Like, he could not have been any closer to this tragedy, you know, and I think it's an, but his dad wasn't there and his dad's like, just sign the form. Let's just move on. You know, what are you, what are you going to do? You're not going to fight this big company. And I think it's this big awakening to like the reality of the world and what happens when you don't stand up for yourself, even though Mm -hmm. the reasons for not standing up for yourself, like a lot of times that's like, it's like the conversation we just had about Starlight, you know, like there are a lot of different ways to show strength. And I think Huey just kind of gets to a point where he doesn't have anything else to lose. And that's when he feels like what, what the fuck, you know, and, and something that touches him, so deeply like the sense of injustice with that when they just blatantly lie and blame her for her death which i he's just like this is just too far you know yeah and then enter butcher who gives him a a a way to do this you know yeah i think that you know butcher comes in and gives him because yes he can't necessarily his you know his dad simon Pegg. With an incredible mm-hmm, yeah. turntable, by the way, like that little, oh, yeah. like, bubble <laughs> turntable. I was like, oh, my God, I want that. It's so cute. But, you know, he's right. Like, he doesn't have the lawyers to, like, fight these this company, these superheroes, the traditional way. But through Butcher, he sees that perhaps there can be a different way. And mm-hmm. through that conversation with Starlight, he makes the decision 
that he's not just going to accept it. So, you know, what he does is, you know, fully yet to be determined, but he can't live with himself, I think, more than anything, if he takes that money because of what it would mean and what it would mean, like what it would be saying about his relationship with Robin. Like he just accepts that. And so it allows him the ability to not just fight for her, but fight for himself too and give Mm -hmm. him something physical that he can actually go and do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because we, we learned butcher butcher is seeing this as a one-off. And so he drives him, he drives Huey up to his place of business. And he was like, what are we doing here? And it's in that moment, I think that I was like, no, he was really ready to just leave it all behind. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like something that happens when you're grieving too. like, you don't want to go back to your regular routine. So I can understand like, Maybe if Butcher had tried to keep working with him in like a week or so, maybe he would have been like more willing to go back to work. But he's like, I I don't want this life of like meekness is the word that keeps coming to mind. I don't know if that's totally fair, but um, like he he has gotten a taste of this empowerment. But even then, like it would have been the easiest thing in the world for him to sign this check under the guise of trying to get back at the soups and then just take it because mm-hmm. it's money and it'll help him out a lot, you know. But even then, I think you're right. He can't live with himself if he does that. It would be betraying what he had with her, you know, yeah. and being part of the lie, you know. Totally. Um, all right. Well, that's kind of leading us into something that I want to talk about in our next category, which is good versus evil. And in my head, that is always the song from Jekyll and Hyde, um, <laughs> which, which I'm not going to sing because it's a really hard song to sing, but I love it. Um, so good and evil. This is where we're going to really kind of dig into the meat of the satire and kind of what are the common themes we're seeing? What are we taking away? And one of the first things that I wanted to talk about, we've already kind of hinted at this is masculinity and like strength and who because I think Huey is really coded as weak. I don't want to say he's feminized because I don't think that's quite true. But he is if you compare him to Annie, who we've seen like lifting cars, and he is coded as weak. He doesn't really have any skills. Butchers like I just need this guy to get me into the office. But then we see in that very last um, confrontation that we're probably going to talk about in a minute, um, that he is the one who saves butcher because translucent was about to beat his ass with a crowbar i believe and it's huey's intelligence and his like willingness to like hide and not be the big guy in the fight that like is able to like save the day you know and he almost sneaks away and then he turns back and i think it's that moment like i can't live with myself if i walk away from this you know this is my chance to to do something you know Oh, yeah. Especially in the realm of superheroes, like masculinity is always portrayed by, you know, like muscles and physical uh-huh. like presence. And you contrast that with Huey and like, mm. me, like, he's adorable. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. But like, you know, he's not busting out of his shirt like he's a normal <laughs> yeah. dude. But like that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily make him any less of a man it's just Mm -hmm. that's kind of how they're they're contrasting him here and Mm -hmm. him embracing i don't even know if it's yeah it's it's interesting how we see him develop but it's not necessarily in a masculine way it's just him like 
I don't know, expanding as a person. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's him like it's finding his own power, you know, and empowerment in his own way, not in a way that's defined by other people. Like he doesn't put on a Homelander cape and suddenly he's strong, you know. Um, and I think it's just such an interesting contrast even when you look at him and butcher you know like butcher is like real brash and he's real confident and he's he's (laughs) i always joke at court like we always look at each other like he's kind of a loose cannon um (laughs) but like he's just um like he he is the strong one in that relationship and i think but what we see is like he would have been dead if not for huey but huey would have been dead if not for him if he had not driven his car back in or come back and checked on him and I think it's just really interesting that like I think as the show goes forward we're going to really explore what masculinity and what strength mean and where the connections are and where that set where like masculinity actually makes you weaker because it is the appearance rather than the actual strength you know like if a if like Homelander had come up and talked to Annie on that park bench. Like who knows what would have happened, you know, oh, but God. Huey yeah. by being, a- <laughs> by being able to just like find that vulnerability, like he is the strongest one in the episode really, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I'm excited to see how that develops too, just because it's like, yeah, confidence and swagger and just like having that clearly is you know, could be valuable and clearly it works mm-hmm. for Butcher pretty well and just like selling something and you think, yeah, I'm a police officer. Yeah, I'm an FBI agent. Yeah, whatever. Like, you mm-hmm. know, that that can get you a certain amount of ways, but it can only get you so far and without mm-hmm. some sort of intelligence, without some sort of compassion, without some sort of like moral compass, like that's really not going to serve you well in the long run. So I'm excited to see how those two in particular kind of those two characters, I mean, Huey and Butcher, like how they both develop and kind of fill out this idea of masculinity and what it can mean. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> it is. Well, and I mean, the show is called The Boys, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, I think, talking when we were talking about doing this, that's one of the things we wanted to talk about is like, what are things that are coded as boy for th- for boys, what are coded as masculine and what does it mean to be a girl in that world? Or and and when I say men and women, like I want to be clear, these are identities that we assume or that are imposed on us. We're not talking about like assigned sex. You know, we yeah. these are you know what I mean? Yes, but. like more. I mean, these are more. This is a very generalized kind of idea of gender norms, and that yeah, have been established. More like archetypes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that have been established through movies and through comic books and through you know books and everything. I don't right. know, just culture at large. And yeah. so these, yeah, these are very not necessarily our opinions. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's or feminine is, but how we see it presented here. Right. And I think this show gives us like a really interesting way to look and see how those stereotypes and archetypes have really affected the culture, you know, and how people respond to those demonstrations of masculinity, you know. Yeah. And how that really a selfie. Yeah. Yeah. And how that relates to like the women in this, because, yeah, like Mm -hmm. as we mentioned before, like Maeve's the first one we meet, but she gets no um, accolades for her good deed. So just kind Uh of how this world that is, you know, influenced by our own, how this world 
handles these these women who are I mean literally super women but yeah. how how they're still treated within this male dominated world. Mhm. Yes. Um well and so maybe that can lead us into um one thing you added to this outline the politics of power which I think is is really interesting. Yeah, it it's already I just I love how it is showing just kind of the nuances that power entails and how it can how it's presented because mm-hmm. here we see different levels of power we see this corporation we see these superheroes these celebrities who are more than I kind of like was thinking about athletes here mm-hmm. because it's like they have they have a job right like these people are hired to protect a city or whatever like we mm-hmm. see that when um they're trying to basically, you know, contract uh, Nubian to go and protect, was it Baltimore for a year or whatever? I think so, yeah. An insane mm-hmm. amount of money. And that's kind of like how athletes are, but they're expected to do so much more. They have, there's merchandising and licensing rights and he, you know, there's celebrities and they have movies and, you know, we see mm-hmm. Dave Batista and The Rock in movies. And so there's there's so many interesting aspects that they're not just one thing and what that does <laughs> and right. how that plays with the idea of power and how, you know, politics and business come into play. Even like the language. I just the language of this is so mm-hmm. fascinating to me. And I can't wait to see how that continues because we have words like it's talent relations. Like, hi, I'm so-and-so with talent relations. It's like, mm-hmm. what talent? You're a superhero. <laughs> like, exactly. And just like the idea of branding. And mm-hmm. we're in the superhero business. And, you know, even even um, Huey's like, you sent your condolences. You didn't say you were sorry. Like, those mm-hmm. are two different things. And like, he just wanted him to say sorry. Yeah. And just the power of those words. Yeah, but that would have been admitting liability, which would have opened them up for like, we're going to see their legal team down the road, like they could have been sued or that that presents weakness or quote unquote weakness. Like you can't, if you're a superhero, you can't make mistakes because then you're not super anymore, you know, and I think it's really interesting to see somebody like Annie come into this and be like completely earnest. She's like, I want to save the world. I really do. Like I'm a superhero and I can do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And to see that it's, it's so much more about image than it is about what you actually do. Like at their superhero meeting, like translucent, he's so upset about this crime that is copyright infringement. It's not like somebody robbing an armored truck. And, and it's surprisingly homelanders like, no, who did you save today? And I think, We'll see kind of where he stands on that down the road, but it, it it's it's a shock to see how just how corporate it all is. And when you start tying money into this image and branding and your representation as like an impenetrable force, like you can't allow any weakness. Or I could understand how the mindset of like, I can't show weakness would completely take over your life, you know? Yeah. And just, yeah, that that institutional power. And I think it'll just be interesting to see how that develops because there's so many industries where that comes into play. It's like every, you know, Mm -hmm. musicians get into the music industry and then 
you know, you hit a certain level of success and suddenly it's all about, you know, your image and the marketing and what's trending. And suddenly it's not even about the music. And I think that's so common for so many careers at different levels. And it's just so realistic, like depressingly realistic. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. something, you know, talking about reflecting reality and especially when comparing that to like Marvel and DC and these superhero movies, like, yes, yes, we get these moments of self-reflection and like these characters go through some emotional arcs, but like it's very sanitized and selective about how it presents the superheroes as part of a bigger worldview. And so here Mm -hmm. we're seeing it as it's like, yeah, are you kidding me? Of course, some corporation would come in and make money off of this because that's what happens everywhere. Like that's what actually happens. And just following that. Yeah, it just, I don't know, Starlight's a perfect example. Like she gets into it and just, I feel like has no idea about what's really coming. (laughs) And I feel like it's a great, like the sports comparison is a great one. And, you know, we're just coming off the Super Bowl and we're coming off of Damar Hamlin's like like yeah. dying on the field twice, yeah. I think. And I was listening to a podcast about that. And the guy who was very insightful, and I wish I could remember his name, but he was talking about how like what the league should do is guarantee his insurance for the rest of his life. But if they do mm. that for one player, they're going to have to start really like where where is the line and when and I could see from a corporate standpoint you you can't open those floodgates because then you right. have to really like interrogate the rot at the heart of this company that really is just using these people and I feel like the superheroes that's one of the interesting things I think that the show is going to explore and we kind of see here is like who really has the power is it Vought mm-hmm. or is it the heroes and when are either of them expendable you know and who would sacrifice who and just like who's aware of those mm-hmm. you know those politics happening like I think we see the deep obviously understanding those politics at a certain level but kind mm-hmm. of using them for more uh base <laughs> motives mm-hmm. i guess but then you see somebody like homelander and it's like oh he is much better at playing this game right like he's not like speaking as somebody who doesn't necessarily know what's going <laughs> to happen but like clearly i don't see him using it for basic things like oh i'm going to get a blowjob like he's right. thinking bigger and mm-hmm. so you kind of see how certain people see this power and what they use it for and it's kind of I don't know it's kind of depressing it's like really deep like that's what you're using this position for like what a loser <laughs> exactly and, yeah deep is kind of a doofus yeah know? so just like seeing how each of these incredibly gifted individuals are understanding that and playing that game because it is a game mm-hmm. and I think it's it just is. gonna it's gonna get more and more complicated and I can't wait yeah <laughs> Yeah, another thing I say to Corey all the time is, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> and that is the one and only time I will say that on this podcast, this I vow. Um, and we, okay, so we've kind of talked a little bit about looking good versus being good. That's a theme. I think, I don't know if we need to dig too deeply into this because we've already kind of been talking about it and it's going to be, I feel like that's one of the central themes of the show mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. who are the real heroes? Um but I just think it's such a striking contrast if you lined up 
Queen Maeve and Homelander and all of the seven and Annie. And then you line them up next to Huey and Butcher. Like, who would you pick out as the person you would trust? You know, it's right. I mean, you know, after seeing all three seasons, I could tell you who I would trust. But, (laughs) you know, I, I don't know, you know. And it's like there's a line in there, I think, that Huey says something about like spanking soups. And it's just like, you know, there have always been these people, right? Like there's how often have we seen administrations and companies and or individuals with a lot of power, like completely taken down by journalists or Mm -hmm. just really brave individuals. And so that dynamic of just people really, really willing to fight back against such massive obstacles. Like we've seen it time and time again throughout history. And so it's it's mm-hmm. not impossible. And it's just, yeah, who would you trust? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's interesting you because you brought up She Said, and I think that's a really good kind of comparison too, especially when we're talking about Starlight, because if you've seen that movie, you see how much it took to get to this point to just like say publicly. And I think um, that's something that we're going to see too, is when the power is so strong and has been so consolidated, how hard it is to topple that, you know, Mm -hmm. and how, how hard it is to like really convince people that, that Vod is not good. You know, that Vod is not, doesn't care about you, doesn't want to save you. And the other, the other thing I wanted to mention, and again, I don't, I think this is going to be something we'll talk about down the road too, but just the collateral damage. I think the show is <laughs> so great at showing like, cause I remember, I can't remember exactly what movie it was, but it was one, it was when Superman was fighting Zod, I think, um, who is played by Michael Shannon, who I love, um, even with that weird voice. Um, But like, they're just having this fight and buildings are falling over. Like they're destroying the whole city. And I think, like, I just remember watching that at the time and reading a review and like, how many people died in this fight? You know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think about that stuff all the time. They're just completely decimating entire like giant skyscrapers. And it's not Mm -hmm. just superhero, just any like large scale action movie. I mean, I mean, we've got Fast 10 coming out and the whole thing is like tying back to something this family did in Fast and the Furious 5. They accidentally killed somebody. It's like there's just it's so funny how these movies just completely disregard how many civilians and like innocent individuals would have been impacted by them quote unquote saving the world exactly (laughs) it's really refreshing to like see that addressed in Mm -hmm. such a in such a human way because it's like for every Huey like like how many Hueys are out there that have exactly somebody like this like that impact has to be just incredible and just completely heartbreaking but you don't hear those stories and so it's really I think an interesting way to talk about that. Yeah. Like how many people have they paid off? You know, how much money have they spent, you know? All right. Well, let's move into our next category, which is called shock and awe. And these are the things that shocked us or the exciting things. Um, The first one I had was Robin's death, which we've already talked about, but I just wanted to mention, it's like just the perfect way to kick off this series and be like, holy shit, some shit's going to go down on the show, you know? Oh, yeah. And Gort, like, 
I mean, there's like bones in there and it's all over his face. And so mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, not only did she just get obliterated, it's like gross. <laughs> Right, exactly. Well, and also, so this show is on the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad, which is a horror network. And this was part of my justification for covering this series as part of horror because it's so gory. And that's mm-hmm. that is by far not the, not even the most gore we're going to see. So, um, yeah. And it's it just like him holding her hands that just such is such a striking image. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Something that like, Okay, really surprised me. Um, I wasn't expecting to see all of Translucent. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know, it's like, okay, this is on Amazon. Like, clearly they have different standards, but it was like, oh, oh yeah. okay. It's not the CW anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's like, all right, yep, that's that's a fully, you know, naked man. And I think it's it's just so funny, too, because that's one of those things it's like they talk about with, like, superheroes all the time. It's like, oh, like, they did, like, he was, what was it, Jimmy <laughs> Fallon talking about, like, oh, uh, you gotta be, you gotta be naked to, like, you can't <laughs> wear any clothes. You're naked under mm-hmm. there. And he's like, yeah. And so it's, re- like, really, it just made me laugh because, yeah, he is. And just, like, how awkward and weird that is when he oh, yeah. reappears just lurking in the bathroom just oh. lurking in the bathroom so that was a little bit um shocking to me i guess because i just i don't know wasn't expecting it. it made me laugh yeah and that is alex hassel who did you recognize him from um violent night he was the dad in um oh my gosh Girl. which is like oh i'm so terrible sometimes with things because i literally <laughs> just watched that like like oh, did, well, to be fair, he's been invisible for most of the show. So, I mean, we only see his face a couple of times. And even with, like, I've watched this thing twice and I had to look it up in Violent Night. I was like, I know I know that guy. Um, but yeah, he's he's really, I think he's such a creeper and a skis ball, but he's really funny, I think, in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing I love about the show is how, like, deft the comedy is and how like it pops out it's just really sharp writing and I think like the larger thing that I wanted to mention about that is just like what the seven are really like because Mm. the other thing we haven't mentioned that I was really struck by is that like you think Maeve would be supportive but she's like no 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 that's not how you play this game you don't drag me down with you when Starlight is like crying and she's been like puking after being assaulted and she's like clean yourself up get your shit together you can't you can't be weak around them Um, yeah well and she's yeah she based yes what does she say like you can't let them see you like that or or don't mm -hmm. let them see you like that and yeah she's not supportive but it's it, it it's just sad because you can tell it's mm-hmm. like she's trying to help her, but not in a very kind way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She and Maeve is such a fascinating character. Um, like you can just tell she's been through this before. Exactly. Maybe not exactly this, but like mm-hmm. she one, she's not surprised at all. And it, she knows that uh, Translucent is in the bathroom. Like she just just the amount of shit she's had to put up with to just be the strongest woman. And it's such a contrast between like when you see her and she's saving the day and a truck is like exploding around her and you think, Oh, she's my hero. Like she's wonder woman. She's going to be like that. I believe in love, you know, and then just to see her seemingly turn on starlight. It's not exactly what's happening, but if I were starlight, that's how I would feel, you know? Yeah. Like, well, I have nobody here, you know, Mm -hmm. she seems calloused. 
Mm-hmm. She, yeah, I think that's a really good word for it. Yeah, she has very strong skin and she has also built up very strong boundaries, I think. Yeah. Um, and then another one I think is um, – because I think until the end, now let me ask you a question. I, I imagine you probably, if you've seen a couple of episodes, you probably knew Homelander was not like good, you know, but were you surprised when he crashes the plane at the end? Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit more intense than I expected because it's like he crashes an entire plane, like with a kid, like he downs mm-hmm. an entire plane. Like that's not really very subtle. <laughs> right, right. It's it's like you can tell that he was like sent to do that. And obviously mm-hmm. it's like, you know, how would they tie that to him? I don't know. Obviously he's famous enough that they can kind of clean it up. But it's, yeah, there's, there's really no uh, misunderstanding what happened there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's because of like a business deal. You know, it's not like there are no bad guys on that plane, you know. And I think I was trying to pay attention to signs that Homelander might be bad, you know, Um, because I think they do a pretty good job of holding the cards pretty close. Like in that meeting, they're like, no, who did you save? And then uh, Butcher makes sure to say like he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, like he's incorruptible, you know. So I think until that moment, it is possible to see that like or to to kind of see him as maybe good but caught in a bad system. Mm. But I think the end of this episode really kind of pulls the rug out from under that. And it's like, no, there's there's nothing or he's a bad guy, you know. Oh, and it immediately like escalates him to like the most dangerous character we've met. Cause it's like clearly mm. he's playing this game at like a whole other level. And it's just like sociopathic, like the way that he is like clearly manipulating every moment that he's around other people and so Mm. that makes him immediately yeah the most dangerous person (laughs) yeah and i gotta say he is one of my favorite villains like he is he's so and partly just because anthony Starr, i think just plays him so well but i just his character in the show i think if not for him the show wouldn't be half what it is you know All right. So Homelander is bad, actually. I think one of the coolest things, like the centerpiece of this show or this episode, and there are a lot of them, but this fight with Translucent at the very end, I think is so exciting. It's so well shot. It's because he's invisible. And just to see the overhead shot of him, like just careening back through all of the the shelves and then like when butcher spits his own blood on him, that's such a like butcher defining kind of move too. And it's just like such a smart, it's funny. It's like, just because you're invisible, like doesn't make you like impossible to see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's why it's like, it's, I mean, invisible man or whatever. Like, it's just like such a funny power because it's like, all right, we're just going to pour something on you and then I can see exactly where you are. Like, maybe it's not the most impressive power in a situation like this like I would see it being more powerful like when he's in the bathroom and like spying on people and like Mm -hmm. when you actually don't know he's there but once you're aware that there's an invisible guy around it's like suddenly it's not not that impressive (laughs) yeah he's just like a, a kind of strong guy um and the vulnerabilities that some of these characters have like because they're not gods you know yeah. they're not like wonder woman is half zoo half god half mortal like she i believe is unkillable um and then superman has has um kryptonite but like i love that these 
people, they're super abled, but they're not invincible, you know? And so just showing those little weaknesses. And I love the little detail that he just, he shocks him on his ass too. I know. (laughs) It's so funny. That was really Uh, funny. Yeah. And we're going to see that ass again in the next episode. And I'm so, wait, like he's like, like he's like dead. Like that was surprising. I mean, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But like, if he is actually dead, like that was surprising to me. <laughs> oh yeah, like taking him out so early, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and you know, I don't, I don't want to say anything, but like the show doesn't fuck around with characters, you know. And it's, you know, we're both coming from a Stephen King podcaster. He loves to to kill his darlings and to break our hearts, and that's gonna happen. Yeah. I'm all <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. Um. Also, okay. I do want to ask you about the soup bar. Oh, yes. I meant to talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. So this is like a just like a secret club for super abled individuals. Mm-hmm. And there's just like some sort of like don't ask, don't tell kind of policy. Right. Is that how I'm yeah. interpreting this? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, this bar, I. I don't remember, we're not going to learn a whole lot about this bar, but there is like this underground superhero culture. Um, and we see, we, we see Termite for the first time, who is a, he jumps right into some <laughs> ladies. Um, yeah. Well, she has some fun. And okay. I also want to say you should follow, I think it's Vought on Instagram because I was just kind of scrolling through and there was a, an ad for a, like an, a movie about him called like Pocket Romance, you know, because he's oh, so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I What I liked about that is like, I mean, again, the realism of it. I feel like yeah. if there were, you know, X-Men basically like all over with all these weird abilities that like yeah of course it's gonna be sexual like are you kidding me like that wouldn't happen (laughs) of course Mm -hmm. it would be that would be like the first thing that people would think of and so to see that just presented there just reinforces that yep all right we're we're grounded in some sort of parallel universe here because that feel that tracks (laughs) that tracks humanity (laughs) it's like anytime we get new technology like one of the first things we get is porn on it you know oh yeah yeah. <laughs> and there's also an intro we see Ezekiel who we're going to see him later so I don't want to say too much but we know that he is the capes for Christ guy is how yeah. he describes him. Yeah, and- I thought that was interesting. So I yeah, I don't know anything about where he's going to go but another interesting a conversation I'm sure to be had on Ezekiel a bit later oh yeah we're gonna uh, midway through the season we're gonna see Ezekiel again um but it's it's interesting like if I were to be generous to these soups who are especially the lower level ones who are kind of caught in this system like I could imagine if your entire life is based on your image and you cannot ever like like you're never off duty, you know, mm-hmm. like I can imagine wanting to go like kick your heels up at a bar and just kind of let it all let it all hang out for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I, I and again, the realism, you know, if if there's so much pressure on how you act out in public, like that just adds to wanting to really go crazy when you have the opportunity, you know, and when you think mm-hmm. that it's a secret, and it doesn't yeah. surprise me at all that it's not actually a secret. Yeah. I mean, just because you like control your whatever desires, powers, true self, 
like just because you control it for so long or repress it or can you know control it in some aspect it's going to come out somewhere mm-hmm. like exactly. you, you can't pre- you can't pretend it doesn't exist you can only do that for so long and so this seems reasonable and like it would actually happen because you got to get it out one way or the other <laughs> exactly and like i don't think anything they're doing is wrong like they're just you know, if I could do cool stuff, I'd want to do cool stuff with hot people, you know? Yeah, it seems so. like everything's consensual and everybody is, you know, a willing participant. So, yeah, why yeah. not have at it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, as we're kind of wrapping up, one of our uh, last sections is going to be choose your fighter. I feel like I should say it in dun, like Mortal Kombat music. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> And that's going to be our MVP of the episode. And Rachel, who are you choosing this week? I mean, so far it's Starlight. I mean, we really go through it with her. Like we see her mm-hmm. before. We see her achieve her dream. We see her dreams get brutally taken away from her. And then we see her come back and we see her make that decision. And that's like such a huge, gigantic arc to go through in such a small amount of time and I think that they executed it so well and I am with her and I am excited to see what she does with that Um, I'm not expecting her to like this to be the end of it like I don't think by any means that this is her being like all right I'm over it and now I'm just gonna get revenge like I expect more from this show and from Starlight that that will be discussed maybe a little bit further and more in depth as we see that play out but i'm excited how she left it and where she's at in this moment yeah yeah this is it's i don't know i am at war with myself because starlight i think is my mvp of the entire show Mm. you know but having seen like all of everything like to contain it to this episode i think Huey would be my MVP I just a lot of what you said like I feel like they're on very similar but parallel or but Mm -hmm. like contrasting tracks and I just love the arc he goes through I think you know I've kind of been feeling recently like I'm just tired of people pushing me around and so I really like relate to him like just having enough and being like well fuck it if I can't do it the right way then I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak I'm gonna align with butcher who is a little messy and i'm gonna let myself be messy you know and and i just love him <laughs> like he, he's one of my favorite characters he's very sweet and endearing and adorable yeah. <laughs> and he saves the day in this episode too like he gets he gets a real big win at the end too um well okay so rachel because you have not seen these episodes uh we are going to wrap up with some predictions i'm not going to make any because uh, in case you can't tell i am like really trying to not spoil anything um so rachel what do you think might happen next and what are you excited to see i'm excited to learn more about the other soups because i haven't really touched on a few of them so i'm excited to kind of learn a bit about them I'm excited to learn a bit more about just how awful Homelander is. (laughs) I love Carl Urban and can't wait to see more of him. And yeah, I want to learn. I want to know who the boys are. 
Yeah. Yeah. We still <laughs> haven't gotten the, the boys. boys yet. Like I want to know, you know, it's like this underground fight club that we're just like barely getting to like, <laughs> and I like, come on, like take me into the basement. Like I want to see it all. I want to, I want to like see who else is in that and see this underground organization and what that means. Cause I don't know. I have a feeling it's not as organized as I would like it to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's a sign of a really great um, premiere episode. Our pilot is that like we want to know more about just yes. the show. Like I want to see more. And I remember having that exact same feeling. It's like I got to watch more because I got to figure this out. I got to I got to understand this world, you know. Um well, we will be back to talk about that episode. We are going to be releasing these episodes bi-weekly, which is every other week. But this is our first episode. We are going to be back to talk about episode two in two weeks. But before we do, Rachel, where can listeners find you and what do you have coming up? Sure. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, I'm at vinylgirl, G-R-R-R-L. And Instagram, I'm at the vinylgirl. And as far as what I have coming up, uh, I have a few interviews that will be floating out there in the interwebs. An interview with composer Anthony Willis um, mm. on Dread Central. He worked on Megan. And ah. I mean, come on. Are Megan. you going to ask him about Toy Soldiers? Because I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> and Megan 2.0 has been confirmed. <laughs> so I can't wait to see what happens there. And then um, also have an interview with uh, Andrew Scott Bell, who's the composer of uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, oh, which is awesome. so fun. So um, <laughs> yeah, so those will be out there. That one will be on Daily Grindhouse. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Awesome. And you can find me at Jim Ferratu, uh, Jen with two N's on Twitter and Instagram and co-hosting the Losers Club along with Rachel and also the White Ladies in Crisis podcast with Joe and Gina, also to be found on the Anatomy of a Pod Squad and writing and stuff. I have a column. I just wrote about Demon Knight for Matriarchy Rising, which fun. was the first watch for me, and it was real fun. Um, and Billy Zane is one of my new favorite villains because he's just so funny in that role. Um, also, Jada Pinkett is awesome. But yeah, so just writing and doing – if you follow me, I'll post it because um, I just never know. <laughs> it feels like a big old grab bag. And so, yeah, that's us. And like I said, we will be back in your ears to talk about episode two in two weeks. For now, we want to thank the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad. Um, please make sure to follow, rate, review, and check out some of the other shows. I already mentioned White Ladies in Crisis, but there's also Hey You, which is about the Netflix show You, also starring Gossip Girl alum. And there's also Bodies of Horror and lots of other awesome shows. And until then, remember, you guys, you are the real heroes. The Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.